0: Now, while we remain standing, it is my privilege to invite Pastor Garrett Cross, serving currently as the senior pastor of Christ Church Santa Clarita, a friend of our congregation, a friend of mine, one of my favorite preachers, and a fellow who serves alongside of us at Summer Sanctus. He's done so, how many years now? Quite a number. Seven or eight. Seven or eight. He's a fixture. So anyway, uh, what a wonderful privilege to have Pastor Cross with us. Uh, he'll be offering the scripture lesson and our sermon. Pastor Corral, thank you for being with us, brother. Scripture lesson this morning is going to be drawn from Luke chapter 24, verse 36 through verse 49. So here we go the Lord. As we were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled?" Name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses to these things. And behold, I have sent you the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is the word the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. our text this morning is when in luke chapter 24 verses 36 and 49 so let us pray heavenly father we ask your blessing upon us this morning we pray we pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to understand your word and to do your Word. for we pray this in jesus name amen, amen. 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 now recently we went to Hawaii, and on our first night in hilo it seemed so charmed that it was unreal the tropical birds were chirping loudly and the surf was roaring in the background so that it sounded like the enchanted tiki room at Disneyland. But it was real. It was reality. You could touch, see, and hear. When Jesus rose from the dead, people had a hard time believing him. It had to be an illusion or even a ghost, but he couldn't be real. But it was real. So real, you could touch, see, and hear him. This morning, Luke twenty-four, we'll see that resurrection results in reality. Resurrection results in reality. Go open up your Bibles, so Luke twenty-four. We're going to begin in verse thirty-six. Luke twenty-four, beginning in verse thirty-six, and it says in verse thirty-six, as they were talking about these things, Jesus Himself stood among them and said to them, "Peace to you." But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a the spirit. Now, what's the context of this? Notice that they're talking about these things. What are these things they're talking about? Well, you notice in the verse right before our prayer this morning, it says this in verse 35, then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now, two of the larger retinue of the disciples, apart from the twelve, there's others that are gathered here in the upper room, there's others who believe. Jesus, who are trying to figure these things out in the wake of the resurrection. Two of them, including someone named Cleopas, were heading home. They're heading back to Emmaus. We're told in the text that it's seven miles from Jerusalem. It's Sunday. It's in the evening. It's resurrection day, that first Easter. They're heading those seven miles home. They're discussing all the strange goings-on in Jerusalem. Jesus had died three days before And now there's stories of an empty tomb. Some have even claimed to have seen Jesus alive. And as they're discussing these things, a man comes up and joins him in conversation and begins to explain to them the reasons that Messiah must die and rise from the dead. And when they get to their destination, they're so intrigued. They invite this man to come and have a meal with them. And as they sit down and he blesses the meal, and as he breaks the bread, he's revealed to them to be none other than Jesus They ran all the way back to Jerusalem. Now think about that for a minute. Seven miles. Running in your sandals. Running at night. And guess what? If this had happened to you, you would have run those seven miles too. They run back. They run to the upper room where the disciples are. And they begin to reveal all this information that just happened. And here we pick it up in verse 36. They were talking about these things. Now at this point, Jesus has been revealed and seen by some women and others apart from the apostles and possibly Peter. But the question would have arisen in their mind as they're discussing and talking about these things. Was Jesus really physically there? What was he like? This was a mysterious and unsettling thing. There's an empty tomb and no one seems to know what this means. And in the midst of this, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows. Shows up in the upper room, and we're told in John chapter twenty, which is apparently a parallel text of the same events on the same night. In verse nineteen, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, they were frightened. The leaders of Israel had put Jesus to death. The apostles don't know what to do. Some of them have run in fear. Some have denied the Lord Jesus Christ. They've got the door locked because they're worried about being killed like Jesus was. And suddenly, there's Jesus among them. Jesus is among them speaking peace. And he is hyper-physical. He suddenly showed up through a locked door. Did he come into the wall? Did he suddenly just manifest himself like Star Trek? Did he walk through the locked door? He's hyper-physical. And the apostles are frightened. Let's go on to verse 38. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. The apostles' troubles arise because they have their doubts. They have doubts about the resurrection. And Jesus invites them to touch them, touch him, to see that he's not a ghost or an illusion. He's really there in flesh and bones. Verse forty, And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? Why did he show them his hands and feet? Now think about this for a minute. Here's Jesus, post-resurrection. And he's got holes in his wrists, right here in the hollow between his hand and his forearm. He's got two holes, one on each side, one straight through the wrist. He would have had a hole in his heel behind the bone there that would have gone through both feet. He would have hung on the cross something like this. He may have still had the marks from the crown of thorns upon his head. He would have had a hole in his side from the spear, which a Roman legionnaire cast into his side and popped the sack around his heart, the pericardial sack, so that water and blood came out. These are all deadly things that will kill you. And yet here's Jesus with those same wounds in his hands his feet, his side, and it doesn't harm him at all. He's completely alive amongst them, and he invites them. To touch. See? He tells Thomas, put your hand into my side. What's this all about? Well, I think there's a couple things going on here. One, it shows. Need to put that on? Pretty good. All right, I'm moving around a little bit too much. Let's try this again. All right. How's that? A little better? Hope I didn't lose you in the back. I try to be as loud as I can, but I guess not loud enough. I still imagine standing there, and you're seeing these wounds. And these wounds are deadly. These are wounds that will kill you. And yet Jesus is unharmed by them. And we see that the resurrection overpowers death. But in addition to this, it seems that Jesus will have these marks forever so that we will see upon our Lord and Savior forever and ever the love of God through his Son, how he went and died for us. Can I hear an amen to that? Jesus is peculiarly marked with death wounds forever. In John 20, verse 27, again the same night. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand here in the place in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And notice what their belief consists of. They disbelieve for joy with marveling. What is that about? Disbelieve for joy with marveling? I think you do the same thing too. They see. They want to believe. But it seems too good to be true. But it is true. And then Jesus breaks things up by saying, have you anything here to eat? Can you imagine that? Check out these wounds. And they're all like, wow, can you imagine seeing that? Look at this hole in my side. My, my heart was popped. Any of you that had that happen to you, you'd be dead right now. But here I am alive. Check out these holes. Put your hand in my side. By the way, you got anything here to eat? What an amazing thing. Anything to eat around here. And then verse 42. They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it before them. Jesus ate food. And friends, as the text tells us, as he is, so we shall be. I believe we will eat food in the final resurrection We're not going to be misty ghosts flying around through space so we can pass our hands through. We're not not physical anymore. We will be hyperphysical. We will be awesome and we will eat awesome food and drink awesome wine. How do we know that Jesus ate and drank? Well, he did it more than once apparently. When Peter comes to Cornelius, the centurion, he says these words in Acts chapter 10 verse 41. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Jesus was on the earth for 40 days. He came and went among his apostles after the resurrection. And then he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and 10 days later at Pentecost the Spirit is poured out. But during those 40 days, Jesus ate and drank. You and I, friends, will eat and drink in eternity. In fact, eternity begins off with judgment and then a feast. And we will sit down and eat the best food and drink the best wine. And then eternity begins. I'm looking forward to that. How about you? A lot of people think we're just going to be sitting on clouds playing harps. we got stuff to do forever. And we got food and drink as well. Let's go on to verse 44 here. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Must be fulfilled. If you've ever wondered what this is all about, Luke chapter 18, verse 31 through 33, Jesus spoke words to them, told them exactly what was going to happen, but they couldn't understand it. He said in Luke 18, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished, for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon, and after flogging him, they will kill him. They didn't think he was going to die. What's this about Messiah going to die? Now, Jesus is standing in front of them alive after death. They're trying to make sense of all this. And if you've ever wondered what Jesus' life and ministry was... It's answered here. It's the fullness of the Old Testament. Notice here the law, the prophets, and the wisdom books all pointed toward Jesus. The sacrifices and the offerings pointed toward the final offering and sacrifice. The prophets and their prophecies all pointed toward Messiah. The songs of the people of God all pointed toward the reality of the death and resurrection of the Christ. And one example of that comes to us from Psalm 16, verse 10. David said these words a thousand years before the coming of his great, 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 great grandson. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. In other words, when you die, your body will not decompose in the grave, but will rise again. It will not see corruption. And here is Jesus fulfilling the words of Psalm 16. Let's go on to verse 45 in Luke 24. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. This explains the mysterious event which is likely a parallel to Luke 24. Notice here that Jesus opens their minds. Have you ever wondered about that? You look at Luke and you go, what does this mean? He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. How did Jesus do that? Well, I believe he did that through the agency of the Holy Spirit of God. In John 20, verse 22, that same night, we read this. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. It's a first fruits, as it were, of the firstfruits of Pentecost. He gives them a foretaste. The Spirit comes upon them and opens their minds to the things of God, just as he does to all of us. None of us comes to Christ except through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. None of us truly understands the Scriptures except By the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And now they understand the words of Luke 18, verse 33. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. Verse 47. And the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Friends, the resurrection is real, the resurrection is tangible. Jesus rose from the dead and is not a ghost, but is real flesh, blood, and bones. And now repentance for forgiveness must be preached to the world, and the hope of our own resurrection is wrapped up in Jesus' resurrection. And this is why all the heterodoxies of our day are dangerous and unbiblical. We're in a new age of Gnosticism, we're spirits that are untethered to reality. The reality of our flesh, bone, and blood. We can change all this by self-identifying as another gender or another race. But you are who you are. And you will resurrect gloriously on the last day in the body that God gave you. Can I hear a praise for that? Amen. Amen. Verse 48. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending you the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. Now this text here is preparatory for Pentecost. It's preparatory for Pentecost, as you look at this in the Revised Common Lectionary, the readings of the church. But it's also preparatory events for the apostles themselves. They're now supposed to understand a little bit about the resurrection. They're supposed to understand a little bit more about this promise of the Comforter coming to replace Jesus and bring Jesus to them after he goes away. He's going away to heaven. You've heard and seen all these things really fulfilled, Jesus says. And the promised Holy Spirit is coming, so stay in Jerusalem because Pentecost is coming and so is power from on high. The Spirit's about to be poured out, but friends, we're looking back on this After 2,000 years, we see what the Spirit did. What an amazing story that is. The apostles are looking forward to these promises, but they have no idea how it's going to unpack itself. But we see the story unpacked. The Spirit swept up Jerusalem, the Middle East, and Europe. He fell upon Sudan and Ethiopia and the Arabs by the 4th century. He moved up the Silk Road, bringing salvation to Central Asia, the Tang Dynasty, and even populated the court of Genghis Khan. He brought the conviction of the gospel to the Russians and to the Americas by 1700. And now he's being poured out upon Africa and Asia. And this very morning that we're sitting here, there are 2.4 billion of us worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords The largest religion in the world, and all of this is the work of the Holy Spirit in the wake of the reality of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I got to the airport recently, and I realized that I didn't have my U-shaped travel pillow. Great. A long flight ahead, and there was no way to zap it to me like an email or a tweet. You can't just do that with real things, we need the reality of material things. Things like water poured on heads, bread and wine in the feast, and the resurrection in real flesh and blood. You can't email and tweet those things. In a generation obsessed with escaping reality by thinking you can become anything you want, and that you can do anything you want, and can avoid the consequences of your actions. The resurrection of Jesus drops like an atomic bomb in the middle of history. And says, he rose, listen to him. This morning in Luke 24, we've seen that resurrection results in reality. Sully deo gloria. To God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the resurrection of your son. And that his resurrection is our resurrection. May we understand these things. May we rejoice in these things, and may we live according to the resurrection. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.